Today on Stick to Football, free agency has officially begun in the NFL. We got some wild trades to break down. And just a reminder, as hopefully you are, if you're able to stay home, hopefully you're staying home. We all are. We're staying home. Uh, Connor's working from his apartment. Mello and I working from home. Uh, do your best to stay out of the way. Let's get this thing over with. But we do have some updates as the world kind of continues to change after coronavirus. But as a reminder, the three of us will be giving you shows three times a week. So you're going to get your regular Monday afternoon, Wednesday morning, Friday morning shows here from Stick to Football. But, but guys, let's start here. I really thought we would start by talking about the NFL draft officially not happening as it was planned to. But no, Bill O'Brien has superseded that shockwave by trading DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals. The Cardinals get DeAndre Hopkins and a 2020 fourth round pick. The Houston Texans get David Johnson, a 2022nd and a 2021 fourth. Fellas, did I wake up in 2016? How the hell do you trade David Johnson for DeAndre Hopkins? I just don't see a world in where you think this is a good trade. If you're sitting there as a Texans fan, you just lost Deshaun Watson's biggest target. He's responsible for like 30% of his completions in his career. I don't see how you can do this and think, oh, it's okay. We got a running back. David Johnson was very good in the league for two years, and he has not been since. So now you have a guy at running back who's been injured, who's been paid a lot of money, and hasn't been productive. You lost one of the most productive receivers in the NFL right now. It doesn't make sense. I have no idea what the Texans are doing. It's one of the worst trades of all time that I've ever seen, honestly. When you look at it, it's not like Hopkins is entering a stage where he's going to decline. He's really in the thick of his prime. He's still a young player at the wide receiver position. I remember, Matt, when we did the show talking about player cuts and all of that stuff, we didn't think there was a team in the league that would even take on a majority or half of David Johnson's salary. So when the news came out that he was being moved to the Texans and they were taking on the salary, we were all in shock. And then when the news dropped that DeAndre Hopkins was involved and you look at the draft assets that were moved, I mean, number one, let's just say this. uh, This is a huge move for Arizona. This is a great move by not only the front office, but clearly a Cliff Kingsbury uh, and Kyler Murray dedicated move. I think if you're looking for a really low buy MVP bet right now, I would throw five or ten bucks on Kyler Murray. In fact, I already did here in New Jersey uh, from my apartment. But when you get back to the thick of this trade, this is why you need a GM, and this is not a good day for the Houston Texans. And I think let's let's try to imagine what Bill O'Brien is thinking here. You have a 27 year old receiver who is locked up for three years on a pretty team friendly deal. It's not a lot of money. I think it's around ten million per. So one thing that I had heard. Peter King wrote Monday morning that DeAndre Hopkins could be had. I text Peter. I text a couple other people. was like, hey, I'd heard this last season, but it seemed to have died down last season. Well, it came back this morning. And one thing you hear around the league is that Hopkins wants a new deal. He sees what Michael Thomas is making. He's going to see what Amari Cooper's making, and he wants a new deal. Basically, the, the information I'm getting is that Bill O'Brien did not want to give him a new deal, and that Bill O'Brien is not the biggest DeAndre Hopkins fan. So... That's wild to me, but 
and I'm not excusing it, but just want to let people know, like, that's why I'm hearing this trade was done is because they didn't want to give him a new deal. And they believe that in a draft that is loaded at wide receiver, they might not be able to get someone like DeAndre Hopkins, but you can at least maybe replace his production. I think this is a terrible trade for Houston, which the Jadavian Clowney trade was terrible for Houston. Even if Seattle doesn't resign him, that was a terrible trade. And we're just seeing Bill O'Brien make a lot of questionable moves here. And I agree. Get Kyler Murray, get get in on MVP money if you're in a state where you could bet legally. Um, get get in all over it. I, I can't even imagine being the Cardinals and calling the Texans to even think that Hopkins would be available. But they did it. And like you were talking about, Matt here, go out and get Kyler Murray some some guys. We we've been mocking guys like Ceedee Lamb to them early in the draft. Now we've kind of been going back and forth. Will they take a receiver? Will they take an offensive tackle? Well, now they're going to get both. They've got a great receiver. You can pair him with Christian Kirk, who is another good young receiver. You have a good running back there in Kenyon Drake, and now you're going to be able to go out and probably get a guy like Tristan Wirfs to put on your O line. I think these are great moves that the Cardinals are making after you know taking a quarterback again with the first overall pick last year. I was starting to wonder about the Cardinals. And now I'm I'm back. Right. Like good I'm job good. good on you, Arizona Cardinals. Good on you. Now you have a blueprint. I mean, you have a blueprint in place. You you open the door of what you could do with that top ten pick. And of course, we're all gonna sit here and bang the table for offensive line. You have a young athletic quarterback that had a good rookie season. You dumped one of the you know the really bad contracts in the NFL at a position where you don't want to allocate that money, and you opened up that money. Now you have you can use they did, they used the transition tag to keep someone like Kenyon Drake, who flourished there when he got traded there last year. So if you're looking at Arizona right now, it almost feels like every move on offense they've made since Cliff walked in the door has been a big one and one that I, I know I'm firmly a believer in. And I'll add this. I know we talk about offensive tackle, offensive tackle. I have heard that they really like Isaiah Simmons as well. So if there's a way that they can get another tackle because they have DJ Humphreys, if they can get another tackle, whether that's through another trade or free agency, just keep an eye on Isaiah Simmons there. Now, it's been a fun day because the morning started for me pretty early Monday morning, and I I started filling out the show rundown, and I made a rumors section, and I made a signings section. A lot of the rumors have now become signings, so we're going to get into the franchise tags that have been placed. We're going to get into the signings, but let's start with the rumors that are currently out there. It's a little after 1 o'clock Central Time, Monday afternoon. The biggest rumor in the NFL right now, guys, in my opinion, is that Teddy Bridgewater is talking to the Chicago Bears about a deal that would make him the starting quarterback This says a lot about Mitch Trubisky, who we heard Ryan Pace's end-of-season press conference said Mitch Trubisky will be our starting quarterback in 2020. Like I tell y'all constantly, do not believe anything general managers and coaches say in a press conference. It could change immediately, and if Teddy Bridgewater does indeed sign with the Chicago Bears, I think Trubisky has to go down as one of the worst picks we've seen in a long time. And also, it just signals that, again, that Ryan Pace is doing everything he can to probably save his job at this point. Exactly. And it's really tough because you look at this pick, and, you know, Trubisky hasn't been terrible, but you traded up a spot to get him. And you passed up on two of the best quarterbacks, one possibly ever, and, and the other, Deshaun Watson, in the league right now. You passed up on those two guys to get Trubisky. I think this is Pace going out here trying to save his job. Because if you roll Trubisky out there again for year three, Uh, as a starter, and he is not good, you're out the door and so is he. I mean, if you bring in a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, maybe you've saved your job for another year or two, but that's a good football team. 
who missed on a quarterback. So I know we like to shit on Ryan Pace, and I just did it. He's built a good football team, one of the best defenses in the NFL. Go get a quarterback like a Teddy Bridgewater. Maybe save your job. Maybe get back to the playoffs, and people will say, you know what, this Bears team's actually pretty well built, and now they have a quarterback that can take them to the playoffs or to a Super Bowl. And you can use those two second-round picks on a left tackle. Yep. Or a left tackle and a tight end. Yeah, left because tackle they didn't and a tight end. Austin Hooper, even though they were in on him. Connor, where are you at? Teddy, I think like we would all say, yes, Teddy's an upgrade over Mitch. And I am so much a Teddy guy. Started five games last year, won them all. The Bears are a little bit different than the Saints, though. Yeah, they are. I, I still think this would be a great move for the Bears. Now, I think on the other end of this is this is not official yet. I'm sure Teddy is sitting there. You know, he's a Florida guy, and, and he's probably watching the Bucks closely as well because I know, Matt, you've linked the Bucks to him before, and we'll see if Tom Brady ends up there. But if he doesn't and that Bucks job is open, I'm sure Teddy's looking at that as well with all the weapons they have, the coaching staff that they have. But for Chicago... I love going out and, and being aggressive to get Teddy because, like Melo just said, they've built a defense there where when you look at what they have, they can keep you in ball games. I mean, they really can. So a quarterback like Teddy, uh, you know, very not. I don't want to use the word conservative, but just really smart and, and not even. I don't even want to use the word game manager, efficient. but just a, efficient. That's exactly the word that Teddy is, and I think that's what Chicago needs right now. I agree. And I've said before, so I just want to be transparent. I have said before, I don't love Teddy in that environment. It's cold. It's windy. We've been to a game there in December. It's a hard place to play if you do not have a strong arm. I think Teddy is great for Matt Nagy's offense, though. Yeah, I mean, We've seen Alex Smith in that offense get get a team deep into the playoffs. I mean, look at right there in that division. Look at what the Minnesota Vikings are doing. Giving Kirk Cousins big money again. But he's surrounded with good pieces on that offense. The defense is all right. He could, Teddy Bridgewater can come in and do the same thing, and it's probably not going to cost you as much as Kirk Cousins is. All right, let's keep running down the list of rumors here. You're going to hear us typing. There might be some pauses. Phones going off like crazy. Another one, something I heard Monday morning, has not happened yet. Brandon Cooks, the L.A. Rams, would be interested in trading him. A guy who's been traded a couple times. He's been a Saint. He's been a Patriot. Now he's a Ram. Would not be surprised if he's on the move. A team like the Houston Texans now. A team like Connor's New York Jets now. I think that would be some interesting landing spots for someone who's still a very, very good deep threat. Still a lot of speed left in his game. What I don't know what you set the market at for a guy like this. You mentioned he's been traded before. He's been traded for a first-round pick and then was traded again to the to the Rams. He's twenty six, right? <laughs> twenty six years old, traded for two first round picks already. I just don't know what it. Are you giving up a third for a guy like Brandon Cooks? No, Pro- man, not in this climate. Not when DeAndre Hopkins is going for a two and a bad running back. Like, yeah. I mean, oh, you know, tough. it changes. I mean, everything. you have to look at the contract, right? That's right. what it comes down to. And, and of course, you obviously want to make sure that he stays healthy and all of those things. It's it's fascinating. I, I think it would be a third round pick. Because of the money and just the fact that the matter is when you see how players are being moved right now for nothing, pennies on the dollar. Like if the Browns decide to move on from Odell, and I'm not saying they are, I'm just saying that return on investment might not look too great. That's where the the skill player market stands right now. Yeah, it, it, it's completely different than it was last offseason. Another skill player uh, we expect to be on the move, the Chargers kept Austin Eckler. Melvin Gordon is, is a free agent. I've heard him connected to the Miami Dolphins, a team that we've often 
put them in mock drafts with a running back at late first round. They might be able to solve that need with Melvin Gordon. The Dolphins have a ton of money to spend. They picked up Eric Flowers at offensive guard, giving him $10 million a year. So it's reported over three years. So if Melvin Gordon goes to the Dolphins, guys, I feel like that's actually a pretty good fit for him because it's a team that is going to commit to running the ball. They're going to be aggressive between the tackles. I think that that makes sense for him. I do, too. I like this fit. And the Dolphins need a running back. I know that a lot of mock drafts have them taking one of these running backs. And we love the running backs. You can't guarantee that one of them is going to be there at 18. I mean, you never know how the draft is going to shake out. Those guys could be gone to teams like the Falcons in front of them. So I I think that targeting a running back like Melvin Gordon is a good idea. And then if you can even find value to pair with Melvin Gordon in the draft, go for it. But I like this fit. I like that they can come out and say, all right, now we have our running back. Let's go get a receiver, an offensive tackle, an edge rusher. It really opens up for what they can do in free agency because they have a lot of holes to fill. And those draft picks might have to turn into trading up to get Tua at the number two or three spot. So you can't guarantee a running back at 18 or 24, whatever their other pick is, because they just might not have those picks anyway. Yeah, you really, really need to go into the draft and just try to shut the shut the door on the holes that, let's be honest, are fixable right now in this class. There are some running backs, obviously Melvin Gordon, you name him, that you can go get. There are players on the interior offensive line that you can go get. So when you look at it, you know, the assets that they might have to move to go up and get to it, if that's the route they go, or if they want to take a guy like Justin Herbert, you still have some work to do on the offensive line at the tackle spots. Maybe you have to package some of those picks and move up. I think it's something that we don't really talk about enough with Miami or even a team like the Raiders where they have so many assets right now that they could sit there and go, hey, if we link them to the quarterback so much, but maybe they come back up and go get when you look at the Dolphins, maybe they yeah. come back up for an offensive line. Maybe the Raiders come up and, and make a splash play later on. So when you look at it, that yeah, you're always planning ahead and free, free agency. If you can really check off as many problems as possible with cap space, which is almost imaginary at this point, I'm a fan of it. Yeah, I am as well. Uh, and the Dolphins are an interesting team. You guys have said the Falcons there a couple times. The Falcons cut Devonta Freeman this morning, something that we'll we'll talk about more in the show. So um, our, our good buddy Thomas Dimitrov, never afraid to be aggressive. And I think running back is something that we could see some teams address earlier than expected. Now, one of the prizes of the free agent market who's still out there, Byron Jones, the Dallas Cowboys placed the exclusive franchise tag on Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper is a free agent, and Byron Jones is a free agent. Now, Byron has been linked to every team in the NFC East except the Dallas Cowboys. So Washington, definitely up in play there. I think Philadelphia has to be in play. The New York Giants desperately need a corner, but he's also been connected to the New York Jets, a team that has money, has a gigantic need at the corner position. We'll see if the Jets, how they value these positions with Joe Douglas going through free agency for the first time, but I think with Byron Jones, we are going to see a market setting money for a corner that's going to have a big impact on some of these other guys coming up, but if we saw 18, 19, or I mean even $20 million a year for Byron Jones, I would not be surprised because he is going to have suitors and someone's going to have to come in with like with Austin Hooper. Someone's going to have to come in and say, hey, here's the market. It's yours now. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. You look at the teams like the Giants and the Redskins specifically who really need a corner, really have some money to spend. They've they've seen this guy before. They know he can play. And usually you say with free agents, well, you know, his other team didn't want him. And that's how he became a free agent. That's not the case with Byron Jones. He's one of the only guys who is a free agent who I think his team would love to bring him back. They just have some decisions to make, and they can't pay everybody. So Byron Jones walking out the door, 
I think that a team is going to set the market on him. I think he's going to get overpaid because these teams are going to get in a battle of saying, we want this corner. He can come in, be our number one guy, shut it down. We're going to have to overpay him. I think his agent probably knows that too. You literally have every team in your division competing to get this corner. I think it gets to 20 million. I really do. When you look at the teams that are in the bidding for this, I mean, it feels like they've named every single team that's not the Cowboys in the NFC East, whether it's Washington, Philadelphia, the Giants. Obviously, you mentioned the Jets. Uh, the Raiders have a lot of money and a need at cornerback. I just think the demand for his services, and it would have been the same way for Joe Tooney if he didn't get franchise tagged. When the demand is that high, the number just keeps going up and up and up, and the market gets completely reset. Now, what I will say is, I would rather go overpay Byron Jones all this money because I know he's a great player. He's a top five corner when he's healthy. I think it's wild when you see guys like Bradbury and on and on that are about to get crazy, crazy money in this corner market where you come out and saying, hey, maybe we got an average starter. I'll go overpay the star player instead. Yeah, and something I, I just got a text a few minutes ago because uh, like literally text, hey, where's Byron Jones? Like, What are you hearing? Because I knew we were going to be talking about it. And someone texted me back, a GM texted me this back. This is a bad corner class is how they see it. This is his, his words, not mine. Bad corner class means Jones's market is going to be huge because teams like the Jets, you're drafting at 11, you might not want C.J. Henderson and Jeff Okuda is going to be gone. Like the Giants at four, you might want to go offensive tackle and not have to draft Jeff Okuda. So pay Byron Jones, who still young, still very athletic. And I think even when you look at what he did with the Cowboys, that scheme did not put him in positions to play on the ball a lot. You know, he's this is not Marcus Peters, where he's allowed to just play off and go grab the ball. You know, he's playing uh, with his back to the quarterback a lot, a lot of man coverage. So I, I think Byron Jones is the the bell of the ball when it comes to this corner class, and is definitely going to get paid. Now, a couple other rumors: Demarius Randall, a free agent, uh, most recently with the Cleveland Browns. I've heard the Seattle Seahawks have interest here, but it's in moving him to slot corner. If you put Demarius Randall and Quandre Diggs, kind of like that. Right. If you put those two ball hawks in that secondary, and we've talked a lot about the NFC East, you know, with what the Cardinals have done, there was interest from the 49ers in Austin Hooper as a number two tight end. They have George Kittle. They're interested in Austin Hooper. That tells you a lot about the way offenses are changing. And I think taking Demarius Randall, who's had some success at free safety and saying, you know what, you're going to play some slot corner for us, bud. And we're going to let Q play, you know, kind of that roaming free safety spot. This secondary would look a hell of a lot better. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago when we still listed people as defensive ends and outside linebackers. We're going to have to start doing it with the secondary. Like you get a guy like Demarcus Randall, he, he's a slot corner. He's a safety. He's a little bit of a do it all. And I know that the NFL has gone to this kind of listing guys as DBs when they do the all-pro teams and things like that, that's what he is. He can come in and fill a lot of different positions for you, whether it is at safety or slot corner or wherever you want to play him. The guy's just a defensive back. He can literally do everything. I remember scouting this guy and thinking, oh my gosh, look at his size at corner. Wait, maybe he's a safety, but look at how athletic he is. He's a little bit of a do-it-all, so it makes sense for the Seahawks to want to go get that size and versatility for their secondary. And how many times do we see Seattle add tier two kind of players or tier three kind of players and seem to get the most out of them as starters. So I think when you look at Randall, he's someone where, you know, it it seems like the fit kind of ran out in Green Bay and maybe things weren't always great in Cleveland at times. But I still think when you look at the talent of the player and what the league needs right now, cover guys, especially guys that can cover uh, deep or in the slot, I think that's a skill set that really, really does matter. So I like it. 
Um, I know we're biased because we love having him on this show, but I really do think that skill set matters right now. Yeah, and speaking of corners, uh, other information that I've heard: the Raiders and Dolphins guys are all in co- on corners. That might not be like that might not be breaking news, right? Oh, the Raiders need a corner. No shit. Well, the, to the point that. I think they are teams that would probably be in on a Byron Jones as long as the uh, salary does not get out of hand. But I mention this because both teams have multiple first-round picks. And at 12 with the Raiders and 19, and then the Dolphins at 18, I think both teams are pretty good candidates for C.J. Henderson from Florida. Yeah, or, I mean, looking at the free agent market, too, guys like Kendall Fuller, Kansas City Chief, probably not coming back. James Bradbury mentioned him earlier. Chris Harris, the veteran corner, I think he's going to have a big market, too. And depending on what teams do and how they value this draft, maybe they don't want to draft some of these corners, which is going to drive up the the need and the demand of some of these corners in free agency. So it's going to be interesting because I think a lot of teams, maybe even the Raiders, are going to sit there and say, damn, we've... We actually really like these two corners. If we can get a guy like Jeff Okuda or if we can get C.J. Henderson, we're going to go ahead and pull the trigger at 12 because we don't want him to fall. And I think it also makes you wonder you know, where teams are in their current standings of rebuild or going for it. When you look at Miami, they're a team that they don't need to sign players that are win-now, plug-and-play impact players. They can take players that... You know, they could sign guys that are maybe younger and have a higher ceiling, or they can wait till the draft to draft guys at positions like that that they could develop them. Why while you look at Las Vegas, I would imagine, guys, there's more of a message of, hey, let's start winning right now. Like Gruden's been here for a couple years now. We have Mike Mayock. We believe in, you know, not only our, our program, but our roster and the way we're building this roster. And maybe there's just more of a need there where, hey, you know what? We can't take one of these tier two or three corners in the draft because we don't have time to wait for them to get on a starting NFL level right now. And I think the other side of it for me is, even going back to that that text, is how do teams see this corner class? Because I tweeted this out and people were like, what are you talking about? This corner class is great. I don't know if it is. And this is something we've actually talked about a lot on this show, that there is Jeff Okuda, then there's C.J. Henderson, then there's a pretty big drop. Like Jeff Gladney, I think we all believe, is a late first-round player. After that, I have questions about Jalen Johnson. I have questions about A.J. Terrell, Trevon Diggs, Christian Fulton. Like we have questions about those guys. I think a round two class of corners is really, really good. But if you're not getting Jeff Okuda or C.J. Henderson, I think you are looking at Byron Jones. You're looking at Demarius Randall. You're looking at Jimmy Ward trying to figure out, you know, okay, how do we plug in some of these holes, especially if you're a team that doesn't have a second-round pick. And I think these second-round corners, kind of that second tier that we have, could be boom or bust guys. I like the ceiling on a lot of them, but the floor, like Christian Fulton, when he's been good, he looks great. He's a number-one corner, but when he looks bad, he looks like a guy that's not going to stick in the league. So I, I do think that a lot of the other guys are the same way. I mean, even Jeff Gladney, who I really like, and I wouldn't mind seeing the Chiefs you know, take one of those corners at pick 32, but they just might not be great. Yeah, I mean, it's a fair point. That's what you have to wonder of this. You know, not everyone's going to be Jeff Akuda. I think Jeff Akuda can right. come in, and, and he could probably be a top 10 corner by week six of the NFL season. I think he's that good. And then you look at everyone else. You know, C.J. Henderson... I think has an all-world ceiling from what I've watched, but he's not there yet. I think Christian Fulton is someone, like Melo said, you know, he's had games where he's shut down, and it's probably more related to health, uh, but that, you know, can he stay healthy? Then you wonder. And Gladney, I, I absolutely love. He's the second-best corner in this class to me, but he's someone that, 
you know, he's he's a little undersized for the position, and we've seen some guys struggle right away when they have to make that jump. And this actually just happened, guys. The Atlanta Falcons have traded for Hayden Hurst, former first-round pick, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. The Atlanta gets Hayden Hurst in a 2024th round pick. The Baltimore Ravens get a 2022nd-round pick and a 2025th-round pick. I said five minutes ago, Thomas Dimitrov wants to be aggressive. This is pretty damn aggressive. Hayden Hurst, got, again, a got minor league baseball player. We all liked his upside, his potential. He, his mellow did not. Some of us liked his upside and potential. He has talked about you know his battles with depression and how that has affected his game. But So the, the Falcons lose a tight end in Austin Hooper. They get a tight end in Hayden Hurst. I love this move for the Ravens. They are winning the offseason very early on. They gave up a five for Campbell, and, and now they're getting back a second for Hayden Hurst, who is your number two tight end. I mean, you have Mark Andrews there, who's been very good. You pick him up late. He might be their number late. three tight end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and you're getting a second-round pick back for him. The Ravens have hit on a lot of their picks. I know that I'm just talking about Hayden Hurst here, but... They missed on him, but you're getting a second back for a guy who's already going into year number 27. He's 27 years old. I don't like what he's bringing to the table. I didn't like him coming out of college. Go get a second-round pick back for your number two or three tight end. Hell yes, I will do that trade every time. They're going to do very well with this draft. Uh, As a Chiefs fan, again, I hate to mention it, but... The Ravens are doing a wonderful job, and they are making some moves in the AFC to make that push for a (laughs) Super Bowl win. It kind of feels like the opposite of the Gettleman move. This is like just accepting the sunk cost and moving on from it and actually getting something back for it. I mean, the fact that they got a return as they did, a second and a fourth, is pretty pretty damn good. I think when you look at what Gettleman did with Leonard Williams, he traded that third-round and fifth-round pick, and then he felt like, hey— I traded assets for this guy. I got to keep him, and you're paying him now $16 million a year or or whatever the number is. It's right around there. So I think when you look at for Baltimore, this is just elite GMing from one of the best front offices in football, uh, Ozzie to DaCosta now. They just have a system that works. They know how to value players. They know how to get return on players. And the way they value and move picks for personnel is just, or vice versa, is phenomenal. If I told you guys this morning that... Hayden Hurst and DeAndre Hopkins would be traded for the same compensation. This is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> like, uh, I can't believe it. I, I can't believe that you got a second for Hayden Hurst after knowing that New Hopkins is out there, also available for a running back that's not productive and a second round pick. Pretty fascinating. And we were going to talk about Tom Brady, but I'm going to wait on this. If something happens during our recording window here, we'll talk about it. But a lot is moving around the Tom Brady situation. It actually sounds like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are still on Teddy Bridgewater, not just the Chicago Bears. So uh, Brady might not have as many chairs left at the table when uh, the, the, the game here. What's that game called? I don't know what it's called. Anyway, we'll take Checkers? a break. Chess. We'll take a break. <laughs> we come back. We're musical start. chairs. There we go. Musical <laughs> chairs. There's so much going on right now. We're taking a break. We come back. We're going to run through the franchise tags that were handed out on Monday morning. Franchise tag deadline was Monday at noon, basically, and we saw a ton of deals get done Monday morning as teams handed out these tags. Let's just run through the list here. Bud Dupree, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Chris Jones, Mello, your Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to stop there, actually. Chris Jones was handed the tag, something that I've been told all postseason with Chris Jones. The team had reached out to him before the year, made an offer on a long-term deal. He said, no, I want to play it out, see what happens. And I don't think he's going to be happy about receiving the franchise tag. 
I feel very strongly that Chris Jones will be traded. And I feel very strongly the opposite way. I do not think that they're going to trade him. I think that he's going to be put on the market. I think they're going to say, what can we get back for Chris Jones? Okay, uh, somebody will probably offer a first-round pick at best that's going to be a late first-round pick. You're not getting that production for Chris Jones in the late first round, not in this defensive line class. So you're going to have to go replace him. Or maybe they're looking and saying, oh, we want a corner, we want a linebacker. You're just not going to find that production from a guy like Chris Jones, who's still very young. And I know you can't pay everybody, but how many times have we mentioned the salary cap is a myth? It is not a real thing. That number is going to keep climbing. We even saw it climb earlier this week to almost $200 million. I think you keep Chris Jones unless somebody just says, you know what, we want to make him the focal point of our defense. We're going to give you a high first-round pick, something in top 15. If it's not top 15, I'm keeping him. Yeah, I mean, listen, when you look at it, Chris Jones is a, a superstar right now at the position. He's one of the top players at that position. I, I don't think – I can't see him showing up for camp on the franchise tag. That just seems like you know something that he should and will not be interested in doing. And when you look at team fits, it goes back to something we've said for weeks. The Miami Dolphins, with all the extra assets they have, I think he would be a great foundational player for Brian Flores' defense. They have cap space to give him the contract he wants, which is probably going to be even more annually than that franchise tag number was. Uh, but he's somebody, as we've seen, he makes everybody around you so much better and is such a centerpiece as not only a run stopper, but one of the better interior pass rushers in the league. And I think with Chris Jones, Melo, I do wonder how much winning a Super Bowl and having the opportunity to play with Patrick Mahomes can heal some wounds. And it did last year. Uh, he's, I mean, he's going to be 26 years old. He's still very young. We just mentioned how Hayden Hurst was drafted 26 years old in the first round, it seems like. So I'm keeping him. And last year he came into camp. They wanted to get a long deal done. He said he was going to hold out. But when you have guys like Patrick Mahomes and Tyron Matthew coming to meet with you and saying, hey, we got a chance to do back-to-back Super Bowls. We're building something here. Get your money. Do the business part of this thing. But we've got a damn good team here that you can be a part of. So what's more important, being the highest-paid defensive lineman in the NFL or coming and being a very well-paid defensive lineman in the NFL and playing with one of the best teams for the next 10 years? And I think for Chris Jones, that like we say with all these free agents, that's the question they have to answer. Do you want to go to the Miami Dolphins and make 20 20- $1 million a year, or do you want to stay in Kansas City and maybe make 18 and win some rings? So Shaq Barrett, a player uh, expected to stay in Tampa Bay on the tag. Leonard Williams tagged by the New York Giants after they traded for him and couldn't work out a long-term deal. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about this one for a second. Connor, so your Jets... Uh, trade Leonard Williams, and there's a stipulation, hey, uh, this contract has to be done by the start of New League year. That will dictate the compensation the Jets get back for Leonard Williams. Uh, I never have felt like he's this elite player. I loved him coming out of USC. Let me say that. But I've never felt like he was this elite player. The Jets will get pick number 68 overall as part of this deal from the New York Giants. I think I like pick 68 overall more than I do Leonard Williams and the contract, the, the cap number that's going to come with him. Uh, it'll be $16 million and some change this year. I mean, I could tell you I do because the Jets got more production out of Nathan Shepard after Leonard Williams left. And Nathan Shepard was a third-round pick out of Fort Hayes State. So when you look at it for Leonard Williams, a lot of people go back to the sack numbers. They're not there. They're non-existent. I don't really think he was creating a ton of pressures. 
He's a pretty good run defender, but here's the problem, guys. If you're an average player at defensive tackle in the NFL today, you are not worth $16 million. It's as simple as that because you can go find those guys in the third round, in the fifth round, on and on and on. So for the Giants, you know, I kind of wish they didn't double down on a sunk cost here. This is another one of those Gettleman moves that I, I don't really understand. I know they need to have as many good players on a rebuilding defense as possible. I just think there were better ways to allocate not only the money now that they have to allocate, but the draft assets at the time. Yeah, there are not many 3-4 defensive ends that are going to be worth that money. I think, you know, you look at J.J. Watt, he's the one that comes to mind. But you're paying Leonard Williams a lot of money for a guy that hasn't been productive. And this could be a, another De- Dave Gettleman move that's, you know what, I want to make this look like a good trade. I'm going to go ahead and sign him, even though he didn't play very well with us. But I want it to. I want to save face here. I want to appear like this guy is going to be around for our franchise. I just don't see it. So Connor and the Jets, good job, guys, because you got a third yeah, round we, pick. We got back. one. <laughs> yeah, right. You did uh, it. <laughs> yeah, Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas uh, will stay winning with this. Brandon Scherf back to the Washington Redskins. Matt Judon, the Baltimore Ravens. You guys have said it. They are man. If it's not the Cardinals, it's the Ravens winning the offseason so far. They have given Matt Judon the franchise tag. Another guy who I think is a candidate to be a tag and trade Um, and we'll see what happens there now that they've uh, acquired some more draft picks they might not feel the urgency to trade Matt Judah and they might feel like hey let's keep this guy for a year when you acquire Calais Campbell and get a second round pick for Hayden Hurst your life is a lot better uh, when your name is Eric DaCosta the GM there Justin Simmons back to the Broncos Hunter Henry back to the Chargers this one surprised me only in the sense that I knew there was gonna be a market for him but now we have a player who's been injured quite often. Very, very good when he's on the field. The Chargers, it seems like they're moving forward with this idea that Austin Eckler and Hunter Henry are going to be the the building blocks as well as the very good receiver core they have. So with whoever is going to be the quarterback, you add Trey Turner in a trade. He's excellent. Pro Bowl type guard. Not Pro Bowl type. Five Pro Bowls in his career. So the Chargers... Honestly, like they don't have that bad of a nucleus if they can figure out this left tackle spot. And maybe they do that with the number six overall pick if they get a Cam Newton or a Tom Brady or someone else. Quarterback. And you look at the cap money, too, that they're giving him just over $10 million. I'm OK with that for a tight end. I, I think that we're going to see the market go up. And if you have a tight end, franchise him for a year. See if he can come back and be healthy. Because when he is healthy, you look like one of the best tight ends in the league. So I like this move for the Chargers. I think their head coach, Anthony Lynn, is not a guy that's going to be fully embraced in a rebuild. He's not going to say, all right, we're letting everything go. Let's start this thing from ground zero. He kind of did that before. So I do think that we're going to see them surround themselves and keep a lot of these young guys like Eckler, like Hunter Henry. I think it's a good move for them because you're really you're not paying him that much money. No, I mean, when you look at the Chargers right now, this is a team that can go in a million different directions. I mean, we've heard the rumors of Tua and Herbert. We've heard the rumors of Tom Brady. We know that Tyrod Taylor is there if they want to go ahead and start him. It's crazy, but I will say this for the Chargers. Personnel standpoint, if you can upgrade that tackle spot like Matt alluded to, you might even you know try to get two tackles here, but start with one. Uh, They do have a a core there on offense that could score points. It really can. And it's not like losing Phillip Rivers is going to change things because the version we saw of Phillip Rivers last year uh, was not the guy we watched play for a long time. So I I like what they're doing. Tagging Hunter Henry was the smart move because he would have gotten a lot of money in free agency. And when you go back to Matt Judon and the Ravens, I I do think this is a player that they're going to try to move. I think they're going to ask for a second-round pick. The problem is, guys, is a lot of teams spend money on pass rushers or just overall in free agency. 
they're not there's going to be less possible teams uh, that can pay Matt Judon the money he wants. That is a very good point. Now, Kenyon Drake, we mentioned him earlier in the show, gets the transition tag. It's going to put him close to $8.5 million, and he is now the starting running back of the Arizona Cardinals, whose offense is basically something you would build on Madden. He's going to get a ton of touches. Uh, franchise or Fantasy football, we'll talk about that once we know more about when the season's going to start, but Kenyon Drake, I would imagine, will be up there for a lot of y'all with the running back position. Yannick Ngakwe. Joe Tooney and Anthony Harris, three players who received the tag from their respective teams, fellas. Three players I would not be surprised if we see traded. Ngakwe especially has said, hey, I'm not going back to Jacksonville. Anthony Harris, I think, is one of the best safeties in football that does not get talked about enough. And then with Tooney to the Patriots, they have said, like, hey, we want to work some out long term. I see a team that with Devin McCourty and Matthew Slater and now Joe, they're throwing a lot of money at veterans. That does not feel like a rebuild with Jarrett Stidham at quarterback as much as it does like a let's try to keep the band back together and get Tom Brady for a couple more years. Yeah, this this feels like a, hey, we still have this offensive line here, Tommy. Sure you want to move on? And if it's not, I think if you know Brady moves on, then maybe they can look at trading him. But I, I think you had to make this move. Even if it is a little bit expensive for a guard, I think you had to make this move to try to entice Brady to come back. And if not, move on from him. Try to work out a deal with somewhere else uh, where you can get some picks back for him. A lot of people being moved for a second-round pick today, so you never know what's going to happen. And Tooney is one of those players, man, like I, he's not somebody you let get to the market. They right. had to do this. And it's for whatever reason, all signs pointed to them not doing this. So we weren't really I know I personally was not expecting this and never really understood why he's a great pass protector. He never gets called for any penalties. He's on the field all the time. He's athletic in the run game. He's worth every penny of this franchise tag. And honestly, he's somebody that. I would be more inclined to find a middle ground to get an extension done with him rather than moving on from him because I do think he's already a top five guard in football. Absolutely agree. Now, Derek Henry was tagged. He will make just over $10 million if he reports. I guess we'll see if he does report uh, to the Tennessee Titans. Uh, But getting Ryan Tannehill locked up long term allowed them to do this. So Derek Henry tagged. I don't believe he will show up and play for $10 million a year. He now, we can, and that's the argument. Should he get his money while he can, or is this going to be a, a Melvin Gordon type situation where he says, now nah, you got to pay me or I'm going to hold out? Now, it's important to note the new CBA has strict uh, punishment, is the only way I can put it, if you hold out. But this is different because Derrick Henry is not under contract. So unless he signs his franchise tag tender, he can hold out and not be penalized. So that's an important distinction with this new CBA. I've said before, this is how I would play it if I'm the Tennessee Titans with Derrick Henry and hope that you can come to terms on some type of three-year extension. Do not give him a Todd Gurley contract. I think everybody knows that one, especially when you look at Todd Gurley today. I think this is the direction that the Titans had to go. I don't think that they want to play him on a one-year deal. They probably want to work something out, but not with big money. Running back contracts. I love the running back position. I think they're very important to building a team, but you're just not going to go out and pay those guys. You were looking at tight ends getting more money than running backs right now because it makes sense. You can find these running backs. Derrick Henry, I don't know if holding out is the best option for him, though. We saw Melvin Gordon yeah. try to do that, and then he came back in like week six and was like, oh, shit, actually, that was not a good plan. I'm never holding out again. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how Derrick Henry 
uh, does this offseason. I, I know that he said at one point, I thought he said the Todd Gurley money is the starting Zeke's point. Money. He said Zeke Zeke's no, money no. is the starting point. No way, no way in hell I'm giving any running back a Zeke contract. Yeah, and I'll clarify. I wouldn't show up to camp. I would definitely show up for the season. <laughs> That's the problem with <laughs> yeah, this right here. Go, yeah. Like, I'm I'm not doing any practices or any training camp or especially OTAs, and you could take those fines, and then when you get back there, you figure out a way to work those out, which they often do. I think for Derrick Henry, though, I mean, you guys are right. It's unfortunate, and I see people outraged on Twitter, and I agree it sucks that, you know, Ryan Tannehill is out here getting all this money and then the franchise tag gets slapped on the workhorse. That sucks. But from a GM standpoint, that's the way the league goes right now. It's shitty, but it's just the flat out truth of how things operate. So for Derrick Henry, you're probably going to need to collect almost all of that $10 million. You're going to have to play this year. Hopefully they do find some kind of Band-Aid deal, even if it's a two-year $25 million deal, something along the lines of that. Uh, A.J. Green also tagged. We know Joe Burrow is going to be very happy about this. He basically let it be known through back channels that he wanted A.J. Green back with the Bengals. A.J. did not play last year. He's 31 years old, but when healthy, still one of the best receivers in football. And here is the big one, guys. The Dallas Cowboys placed the exclusive tag on Dak Prescott that will pay him almost $27 million in 2020. Exclusive tag means... These other players are free to negotiate with other teams, and then their tag, the, the team that tenders them, has the opportunity to match that. Dak Prescott may not negotiate with other teams. You have to think they're going to try to get a deal done here that would allow him to not play under this tag, but whether it's there's no way if you're Dak Prescott, you're playing for $27 million this year. I think we're going to see with what with cut the money Kirk Cousins and Ryan Tannehill are getting. I think Dak Prescott's number is probably closer to $35 million. And I think a quarterback holdout it looks a lot different than a running back one. We just yes. talked about Derrick Henry. The Cowboys cannot go into the season without Dak Prescott. They have to get a deal done. And if he says, I'm not playing this season, you're fucked. As the Cowboys, they need to get something in there. They need to have their quarterback there. The guy has already been on a rookie deal that wasn't paying him enough money. I, they have to find a way to make Dak happy. I think those conversations probably started about $35 million a year now because of what Kirk Cousin got earlier today. So the Cowboys have to find a way to get him 35-38. I, I just don't think you're going to get him for anything less than that. So the Cowboys, that's probably where the discussions have to start. I mean, the Cowboys dragging their feet here is costing them money every day. You can't function in an NFL season without your starting quarterback, especially someone like Dak Prescott that's gotten better over time and, and has taken you to another level and can continue to do that. So, man, just just pony up and get to the number they're asking. And I'm not sitting here and saying that number's 40. I don't think it is. But that number, if it's 35, 36, you just got to get to it because Pat Mahomes is going to smash that number out of the park soon. Kirk Cousins just got a whole lot more money. This thing goes on and on and on, and you just got to get it done because as the days go by, he has more and more leverage, and when that leverage increases, that number just goes up. Yeah, Mahomes, Watson, a lot of people waiting to see what happens with this quarterback market. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to run through some of the signings that have happened on Monday. And as Connor and Anthony Barr will remind you, none of these are official yet. So a lot can still change. We'll be back right after this. 
Final segment of the show today, and again, as we're recording, it's about 1.45 Central Time. If something happens, we'll let you know, but we'll be back recording Tuesday morning, recording Wednesday, uh, excuse me, Thursday afternoon. So we'll have plenty of shows for you guys coming out this week. But let's talk some of the extensions, some of the signings, things that have happened, guys. Kirk Cousins gets a two-year extension from the Minnesota Vikings. There have been a lot of rumors that the 49ers were basically waiting for Cousins to become a free agent after 2021. He will not. It will now be 2023. He's making about $33 million a year right now. I saw that uh, the guaranteed money on this is $61 million over the, the extension. Kirk Cousins is very, very rich. And I, I tweeted it out earlier today. This guy just keeps resetting the market for quarterbacks. So we talked about it with Dak in the previous segment. You have to go get your quarterback because who knows when the hell Kirk Cousins is going to sign another deal worth a lot of money. I, I don't know when who his agent is. It's Mike McCarthy. I hope everybody is calling Mike McCarthy tomorrow and be like, yeah. hey, uh, what do you have for me? Because if you can get Kirk Cousins two really good big money deals, what can you do for a guy that the teams actually want? Well, and it's just great because there are always these little deals. Like when you see these franchise quarterbacks sign, it's like, here's a five-year deal. For Kirk, it's always two to three years. He just keeps slapping on deals, number after number after number. I feel like Kirk Cousins is going to get these deals till he's like 40 years old at this right. point. And I read some. I read somewhere that after all of this, he'll have made almost $200 million in the NFL. He's like a, a good Sam pick. Bradford. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's what the that's Redskins true. tried to get with Sam Bradford, and then they found yeah. it with Kirk Cousins. Right, yeah, so uh, it is. And it, we're, again, we're watching everything that's happened. Stephon Diggs is tweeting about wanting it's time for a new start, so we're, we'll be watching that. Ryan Tannehill, though, the Titans take care of this. $118 million is what's been reported as the money that's coming for Ryan Tannehill. This allows the Titans to look at other areas. Like we said, tag Derrick Henry. Jack Conklin's a free agent at right tackle. Logan Ryan is a free agent at the corner position, so now Tannehill locked up through the 2023 season. Basically, this breaks down to be like a, a one-year deal. It, it, like it's almost four consecutive one-year deals, but 118 million dollars, 62 million guaranteed at signing. So very good money for Ryan Tannehill, who was. I, well, here's what I love: they did this deal one year to the day that he was traded from the Dolphins for like a sixth-round pick. Right. I, I love it. Love it too. For the, for the guy, maybe not for the Titans. I think that's a lot of money, but like we were talking about, that quarterback market is always changing. And for him to say, I'm going to go to Tennessee on a one year, maybe approve it deal. I mean, he went there as a backup that maybe would get the chance to compete for the job. Then he takes his team to the AFC championship. We talk about Tom Brady and how the Patriots are trying to get the band back together. That's what the Titans are doing, too. I think they're saying, man, we got all the way to the AFC Championship game with this quarterback. Let's keep him. Let's pay him a little bit of money. And let's go fix some other holes that we have on this roster, which there are not many of. This is far from a contract that you're hampered by or you're tied to if things go wrong. For Tannehill, someone that's had serious injury history in the past, but this is also a good number that keeps him there in a system that worked for them last year. And I think for Mike Vrabel, he probably, I mean, he's been on the show. He talked to Matt for a while. What was that, during Super Bowl week or radio? Uh, uh, combine week. Combine combine week. Uh, it seems like a guy that wants to start building consist- consistency where he's at. And he's seen it <laughs> He's seen it from both sides. He's seen the good side of it in New England. He's seen the wild side of it in Houston. So I think he's a guy that understands that. And for the, t- you know, for... 
The Titans and Tannehill, when this deal got announced, sure, that number jumps out of you, $118 million. When you look at the guarantees of it, this is not a risky deal, in my opinion. And I, One more thing on Tannehill, too. I know that everybody is going to look at the playoffs and say, man, look at what Derrick Henry did. He carried this team. Ryan Tannehill was amazing in the regular season. And that team does not turn it around without Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. He went 7-3 and three as a starter, threw for 22 touchdowns in 10 games. That offense looked so much different when Ryan Tannehill got in there and got comfortable. Yeah, it absolutely did. And, and yeah, they got shut down in the playoffs, but they had a lead I in the NFC Championship said, game. You know what? We know what works. It's cold out here. We don't need to throw the football. Let's just give it to Derrick Henry 30 times. It was so cold. Christian Kirksey signing with the Green Bay Packers. I love this move as a very low-risk signing. I don't think this completely excludes them from drafting a linebacker at 30 overall. Kirksey has been hurt. When he's on the field, he's an athlete. He's good in coverage. He's an exceptional leader. He was a team captain for the Browns. We've talked for a long time about, oh, man, the Packers need a linebacker. Packers need a linebacker. Now they got one. Now their biggest needs a tight end, I think. Yes, and I agree. And they also bring in Ricky Wagner uh, as well at right tackle. I really like these moves, not because they're like news breaking or that we have to go in and talk about them because it's a difference maker. But these are two guys that are going to come in and fill a need that you don't have to address in the NFL draft now. I would just low, yeah, low risk. I would love to see them get a linebacker, but I don't know if any of the good ones are going to be there at 30. Not the guys like Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray. Like now you have a guy that can come in for two years, play a little bit, provide great leadership in the locker room, and then fill a hole. And if for some reason you got a guy like Patrick Queen who is sitting there at 30, Fucking take him. No problem. Okay. Now you've got two really good linebackers, and Kirksey moves on in two years. And with Kirksey's health problems in the past, you have to do something like that. So, listen, for Green Bay, I really like how aggressive uh, this new regime has been. You know, the last two off-seasons, it feels like they come out of the gate. uh, They know where they want to spend their money. uh, They don't overextend themselves at times. I think when you look at the Wagner signing, you kind of hope he has a bounce back year. I thought he was just okay. So for Wagner, you know, you hope you can get the most out of him there. But once again, these are not break the bank moves. These are not, hey, we're putting all our eggs in one basket over here. And, you know, with Brian Bulaga now uh, probably moving on, he's somebody they probably just felt couldn't stay healthy enough for them over a consistent period of time, even though he's been a great Packer for a long time. I know this isn't always the best format with a podcast when news is breaking, but I want to go back to something we talked about earlier in the show. Mike Garofolo from NFL Network is saying that Bridgewater is not expected to land with the Bears now. The other quarterback options are in play. I think that this is like an Andy Dalton, Nick Foles situation, most likely. Again, not a Teddy Bridgewater. Because I I have always said this, and I, I hope I'm wrong, but it really does sound like Ryan Pace wants to save face on this. Like He wants to bring in someone to compete with Mitch, not replace him. And I think mm. Andy Dalton is going to be a great fit there. I, I like him in Chicago. Uh, we just talked about Ryan Tannehill. I think that Andy Dalton is going to go to a place maybe on a one- or two-year deal that says, hey, you might be able to compete with our starting quarterback that's here in place now. Andy Dalton was a good quarterback. He wasn't great, but he also went to some Pro Bowls, I believe, and he did lead the Bengals to some playoffs. So I, I think that Andy Dalton would be a great fit for Chicago and what they need. I mean, they really are the, the Titans of this year when it goes back to it. And I think Mariota was better at the time than Trubisky had been, but they need somebody that can come in there and is probably at some point going to have to give them a spark and hopefully rebuild their career. And I'm wondering if for Teddy, he just looked at that situation and said, listen, I don't know if this is the place for me to succeed or if this is the place I want to be, or if it's a trickle effect 
Uh, maybe Teddy's going to the Bucks. We'll see. Yeah, right. I mean, I continue to think that like that Teddy's probably a buck and that Tom's probably a Patriot and that Philip Rivers is a Colt. And at the end of it, we go, ah, that kind of worked out how we thought it was going to work out. One big deal that got done today, Eric Armstead re-signing with the 49ers. They did not use the tag on him. So that brick wall that the 49ers have on defense stays intact. Armstead, Buckner, Bosa back next year. Uh, this is a team that does not have much cap space and does not have draft picks. They have six total, none in rounds two, three, and four. So keeping Armstead, I think, is a pretty huge move for this team. And coming off his best year yet, and I think that that line is starting to kind of come together and gel and find their roles. So I, I can hear the happiness in your voice, Matt. So that <laughs> must mean it's a good deal for it everyone. Is. I mean, listen, also, if you're worried about it being a one-year kind of thing, their staff is back this year. I mean, Robert Sala's coming back. That staff is coming back. So when you look at it for them, it's a continuity factor once again. I think this team, we always talk about how it's hard to get to a Super Bowl back-to-back years, but I think this team is really, really built for it. And this was a big building block, a big step of continuing that. Yeah, and they have some holes that have to fill on offense. I've been told they're trying to keep Jimmy Ward, but there are a lot of other teams uh, getting involved in that negotiation. He's one of the better slot players uh, on the market right now with his versatility. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. And Devin McCourty back with the Patriots. Bradley Roby back with the Texans. Mellow's Chiefs picked up Damian Williams and Damian Wilson's. Two different players. One's a running back, one's a linebacker. They picked up their team options. Yeah, keeping them. I think that that was a no-brainer pick. You don't know what you're going to have at linebacker. Damian Wilson can come in and provide depth and find a role like I was talking about earlier with the 49ers defensive line. The Chiefs linebackers, I feel like, played good enough. Would I like to see somebody else come in there and maybe be a star? Yeah, but I think the Damian Wilson move is a good one. And Damian Williams pretty much won the Super Bowl for yeah, you guys. Talk about so that yeah, enough. you can't just let him walk away for nothing. <laughs> yeah, I, that's not to, oh, Pat's, Pat had a good game. Pat was the MVP. Damian, Damian Williams, Williams won that won game. I mean, listen, when you look at these these options, too, it's chump change compared to what's being thrown around out there on the free agent market. You'd be a fool to let these go past you. So it, it's a no-brainer, and it is funny when you look at it, how how quickly we just passed by Damian Williams returning when the guy was one of the biggest factors in the pivotal point of the football season. Doing like a lot of local media around here, I've always been like, not, like I think Damian Williams is good enough. When people say, like, why don't the Chiefs draft DeAndre Swift? I'm like, that just doesn't really seem like something they would do. And, and by the way, Damian Williams is a pretty good player. They just don't always run the ball a ton. So it's like you don't – he's not going to have the numbers. But if he was a 1,000-yard mm-hmm. rusher next year, if their off- offensive line can stay healthy, I would not be surprised if that were to happen. We mentioned a couple defensive backs staying, Bradley Roby and Devin McCourty, uh, both staying with their respective teams. Now, a player who used to be a Kansas City Chief, Kareem Hunt, was tendered a second-round pick, uh, a second-round value, excuse me, by the Cleveland Browns. Kareem Hunt's going to be back. And this team also added Austin Hooper. So the Cleveland Browns get Austin Hooper. It's been reported four years, $44 million. It's going to be the highest-paid tight end in football, I believe. They keep Kareem Hunt. This is a team now with number 10 overall. You've got to feel like they're going all-in on the offensive tackle position. Yeah, I think so, too. And you look at the Vikings last year and the personnel that they had and what they wanted to do. The Cleveland Browns now have that in place with two tight ends. And Kareem Hunt can work in and be that pass catcher out of the backfield. I I know that uh, – I can't think of their other running back's name. 
Uh, Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb. We've talked to him before, and he said he's good with that. He knows he doesn't catch yeah, the ball in the backfield yeah. that well. He's still going to rush for a thousand yards. And then you have Kareem Hunt, who at one point was one of the best running backs, you know, up and coming running backs in the league. So that Cleveland offense looking scarier than it did last offseason. And now sitting there at pick number 10, it feels like they go offensive line, and that's going to be a damn good team. Yeah, it's, it's loaded. And that Hooper signing, when you come out and give him that kind of money, it feels like a. Hey, we need to get Baker Mayfield really going again. Really going in the right direction, working the middle of the field. I don't know. I'm just I'm wondering if there's a domino here that falls. They have a lot of talent on offense and, and they have the money to keep it going. I'm just curious when you look at how many pieces they have now. Remember the whole mouths to feed argument we got into last year? <laughs> right. You know, but once again, to feed those mouths, you need an offensive line. So this comes back to the draft at number ten. I mean, they gotta be locked in. I would think locked in on one of the top four offensive tackles and if all four are gone which would be a shock maybe even someone like josh jones comes into play yeah i mean i think they have to do that that has to be the entire mindset if we have to fix this offensive line uh they're gonna have to draft a safety they're gonna have to draft a, a linebacker i would think i know that they got uh taki taki and mac wilson last year they got a couple guys but it's a new regime we'll see how they feel uh, a couple other i don't want to say small signings because they're important Quentin Spain re-signs with the Bills. Blake Jarwin re-signs with the Cowboys. Eric Flowers mentioned it earlier in the show. A year ago, we mocked this man religiously. Now he's getting three years, $30 million from the Miami Dolphins to play offensive guard. And Nick Kwiatkowski, linebacker from the uh, Chicago Bears, goes to the Las Vegas Raiders, a team that we've said all along. They were a target at 19 to draft Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray. Kwiatkowski probably doesn't undo that, but he gives them much-needed depth and athleticism at linebacker. And I think with the Eric Flowers trade, it's a three-year deal. He played good at guard last year. Maybe you overpay him a little bit, but maybe he is the guard that we saw in spurts last year. I still don't like the deal, uh, but maybe I'm biased. It's it's a lot of money. <laughs> I thought the move to I thought the move to guard brought upon improvement. <laughs> I don't think it brought upon this kind of money. But I mean, when you look at this market, it's gonna. Ha- I mean, now I want to see what Graham Glasgow gets. If Eric Flowers is out here getting ten million dollars yeah. a year, Graham Glasgow better be getting fifteen million dollars. He a might. Year. That's how crazy. Might be getting it from your team. Uh, the way it sounds, with with they've been on him for right, months. With Tooney so off the we'll market, see. and and not that Eric Flowers it doesn't was matter. Your guy. They need every position, right. and he plays center. Right, and <laughs> and he could play guard too. I mean, I I. I would really, I would applaud a Graham Glasgow pickup by the New York Jets. And we might be doing that uh, on the show that comes out Wednesday morning. Again, we'll be back three shows a week. We're going to do our best to keep you guys entertained and informed as far as the NFL goes. There's talk, I mean, again, we're signing off. It's two o'clock. There's talk now. A big name defensive lineman is probably getting moved. That could be Chris Jones. So, again, stay. Tuned in to Twitter at Stick to Football, uh, as well as our individual accounts, Instagram, and then the BR app to get all the news and analysis that you guys need and want. And please, please, please stay safe out there. Connor, it lives in New Jersey, but New York City is basically shut down right now. They don't want any large groups congregating. Stay home. Don't don't you don't go panic and buy all the toilet paper you can find, but stay home, be smart, and uh, and we'll get through all this stuff together. So, for Mello, for Connor, it's Matt. We will talk to y'all Wednesday morning. Have a good one.